When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in everybody to another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. We are one week away from opening night in the NHL for the Los Angeles Kings. So today we're going to talk about the most recent preseason game where it was men amongst boys against the Anaheim Ducks. Some waiver activity. We say goodbye to Samuel Fagimo. And where are your X Factors this season? Join in on the chat. Hop in. Let's go. Welcome, Russ. What's up, Joe? How we do? Just we us two. It's the duo. Just the duo. For those that haven't paid attention or missed it on the Twitter or the X, and Randon is in Portugal for the next few weeks. So you have a duo, uh, as as I like to say. You know, I, I'll fill in here and there. I'm Jared Anderson Dolan. Uh, wherever <laughs> wherever I'm needed, when Randon's on, I can spot in in the host chair. I'll I'll, I'll hop in and see what we can do. So. Uh, we'll what, see what, what does that make me? Am I like Tobias Bjornfoot here, or what's no going way? On? No, Russ, you you are like um, you're kind of like Adrian Kempe, like sort of. Oh, okay. Under, you wow. were like floating for like a little bit there as hockey royalty was kind of in its infancy, and then it's like poof, you had your breakout. Yeah, you had your breakout. So I'd say you're like Adrian Kempe. Uh, so bro, how, I'm, how, I'm are, gonna, how are we doing I'm, though? We're, we're October. Dude, I mean, we're in October. Yeah. We're almost there. Dude, how we, are, we are. I mean, think about it. This, like exactly one week from right now, we'll be just sitting down. I'll probably I'll be at the game. We'll be getting ready just to watch Kings and Avalanche, right? I mean, it's one week. It's crazy. It That's feels it. like just, I mean, this offseason has felt so long yet so fast. And like I was <laughs> at the game yesterday and I'm I'm like thinking like, man, it just feels like yesterday when I was here watching Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl yeah. do whatever they want on the ice. And, yeah. But yeah, new season and a good showing last night. I'm excited. I'm pumped. I will yeah. say I'm doing better than probably our, our well-known Toronto Blue Jays fan, Drew Doughty. Because ooh. after that game today, ooh. Ooh. I don't know if you ooh. saw it. But... I didn't see it, but I saw some stuff going on on uh, the Twitter machine. So I'm sure he's not exactly thrilled at the moment. Uh, I mean, no. I, I just how, – how you can get picked off at second base <laughs> – as the tying run with two outs and your best throw up. That's tough. Wow. That's, that's tough. That's unfortunate. That's tough. Yeah. 
everybody we're we're fired up here as you can tell so the chat is buzzing right now old wolf comes in says russ is like jordan spence underrated but keeps crushing it okay okay yeah uh, i'm sure i don't think russ is going to be uh going to be too disappointed about that uh al smith, al smith comes in howdy one week till opening night's about damn time you're damn right good evening go kings go from cj Yes, Luke Matthews. We are all getting amped for the season. Thanks for joining. Yeah, in. Luke. Yes, sir. Fellas, keep keep it coming. We're gonna have a lot to talk about today. No, Al Smith. We did not fire Rando, despite the rumors. <laughs> Do not start that on the Twitter. Absolutely not. <laughs> He's getting the Arthur Kelly of treatment. <laughs> yeah, shortly. <laughs> shortly. Yeah. shortly. <laughs> Uh, we'll get to Cali up here in a bit as we talk about last night's preseason game, Russell. The Anaheim Ducks were at uh, Crypto, and um, it was men amongst boys. We were chatting a little bit here before we got on. Um, and th- so Kings win 4-1. Um, some of the big boys showed out. Fiala and Kempe with goals. Arvidsson, Dowdy, Dubois picked up assists. So it was it was a big showing for some of the stars. But I, I, I wanted to point this out because I don't think I've ever seen a stat line quite like this in looking at natural stat tricks. So at five-on-five, five, Russ, the Kings out-attempted Anaheim 74-18. to 18. That's good for 80% possession. High danger chances were 15 to 1, and scoring chances were 41 to 9. So, all that to say, it's preseason. This was basically the Kings. This is this, you could say that you could, wouldn't be surprised if this is an opening night lineup for the Kings. The Mm -hmm. Ducks, listen, the Ducks were missing some players. No Zegras, no Terry, no Kalorin, no Labushkin. They were missing a couple of veteran defensemen. Uh, McTavish, I think, was out. So there was a handful of their their top players missing. So you kind of expected some dominance. But, Russ, anything that you take away in particular from last night um, in that, in that not last preseason game, but the first preseason game with the big dogs back from Australia? I mean, man, it's, it's kind of hard because, like, we were just talking and then, um, like, we were saying, or I – I asked you, it's like, how would you feel? It's like hard to evaluate a game like that where you just dominate an opponent where it certainly felt like a a varsity squad playing like a JV squad really a little bit. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I don't know. I I feel like it's like for a team that has gone through so much travel, like the Kings coming back from Australia, this was really their first real, quote-unquote, dress rehearsal to get started for the season. I mean, you have to be impressed by everything you've seen so far. I mean, the first line just looks like they're off to the same kind of ways. Um, just kind of hoping that Byfield kind of picks it up. We're all I, like, I tweeted out. I mean, I would love to see a Quinn Byfield goal. That would be like yeah. very on top of this whole thing. But I mean, they're still playing well. Obviously, we saw Pierre Luc Dubois and Kevin Fiala look incredible. Arthur Cali have had a had a shaky game, uh, but he's getting there. He's getting there. The the nice line. I mean. Long. Real quick, real quick on that nice line, Russ. Yeah. Seventeen to seventeen to one shot attempts. Oh, yeah. Not a bad, not a not a bad yeah. showing. Seven nothing after the first period. It was ridiculous. <laughs> like they're going to be. This is why we talked about the, like a top nine being so yeah. deep. Yeah. But I feel I'm starting to feel like that conversation needs to go a little further, and we need to start talking a little bit more about this fourth line, because from what I saw last night. It like opened my eyes a little bit because I think I've been a little bit down on, on Carl Grunstrom. You've been a little bit higher on him than, than I have. And 
And I, I was kind of like wondering, like, hey, maybe where does Carl Grinstrom kind of fit in this whole scheme with everything, especially with Alex LaFerrier playing so well, Alex Turcotte waiting. But then you see how he's kind of gelled a little bit with Blake Lazat and Trevor Lewis. And it's it really feels like this fourth line isn't like an actual, like, legit fourth line in the NHL where we've it's always been in the past with the Kings like oh let's place Arthur Kelly up there and see what happens or we have Jared Anderson Dolan Rasmus Kapari kind of shifting in and out of there but man when you see Blake Lazat and Trevor Lewis on the ice together it's funny because they're almost the same player yeah they're just it's just a bunch of nonsense going on but it's good and nonsense you love it if you're a Kings fan and they're the prototypical fourth line players that are just going to grind you out Cause a lot of havoc in the opponent's uh, defense. Cause a lot of havoc for the opponent's defense, and just keep pucks down low. And that's exactly what you want. And Carl Grundstrom, I mean, we saw it last night. He kind of made a little things happen, got a goal himself. So I'm really excited for not only this top top nine, but I think the forward core in general. I think it's going to be very fun to watch. Yeah, I think one thing that gets talked about so much is the spine and the center depth and everybody talks about Kopitar, Dubois, Deneau, and it just, there's always that, yeah, but guys, Blake Lazat's really good too. Like in context as a fourth line center, Blake Lazat does a heck of a job. And that line last night, Russ, nine scoring chances to one, uh, uh, excuse me, 12 to one, I'm sorry, 12 to one, 21 to six in shot attempts. Like they were a dominant fourth line. And and uh, you know, full marks to to Randon. He's he's been uh, much higher on Grunstrom than either us. I've gone back and forth with Grunstrom. Like I've been yeah. with you, where it's like I kind of maybe have seen enough. But then when you look at the numbers, I tweeted after his goal last night, third on the team last year in goals per sixty. Like he does it when he plays. He he produces, and you've got a player in Blake Lazat who creates chances. Um, this. And he he's somebody that is bringing a physical presence to the bottom six of the lineup, not necessarily in a fighting role, but he's a he's in hard on four checks. So, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that fourth line is one that's going to be interesting. And I think a lot of people were expecting maybe Grunstrom to be an odd man out per se. And hey, he still might be the the the. We'll get to some roster talk later, but it's hard to see him not in the lineup with the way. Uh, that he has produced a couple uh, a couple things in the chat here that I wanted to uh, to throw out there hoping the line can be consistent absolutely Luke Matthews PL looks good he sure does Morgan very much appreciated best Kings podcast doing a great job appreciate that Morgan that's that's nice of you nice of you so um Grusham has a wicked shot yes he does CJ um West Coast bias coming in here the Grusham shot in the shootout was insanity he can score and he can score so real quick on that it's so funny because that's kind of like shootout and more of an exhibition after the game. It's like, hey, we're going to have a shootout preseason. So I leave my seat in the press box and I'm walking toward the elevator and, and I, I just stand there and watch the shootout as it's going on. Standing right next to me was Jared Stahl. Okay. <laughs> as Carl Grudstrom's going in and just rips it glove high. <laughs> and I turn to Stolly. I'm like, dude, he stole your move. Like, yep. What's going on here? And he's just laughing. It was like, I mean, like, that's like, I know, I think Austin and I were, Austin Sandovich and I were talking after the game too. He's like, and he said, like, that just felt like the typical, like, prototypical Carl Grunstrom, like, shootout move. Just go in there, rip it glove high. But it's, like, not even, like, it didn't feel like a lucky shot or, like, a well-placed shot. It was just, like, fully, like, 99-mile-an-hour wrister top club, and it was beautiful. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, with Carl Grunstrom, it's – I wonder if there's, like, some consistency that sure. has been missing from his game in terms of just being in the lineup. He's just – really not being able to find a home 
in the Kings lineup. And, and if he can really keep his game going at a consistent level, playing with Lazar and Lewis, maybe we see him unlock another level to his game. So here, here and I'm, I'm, he's he should have that opportunity. And, yeah. and if only because, you know, there's so much that gets talked about how much the Kings gave up in the trade for Dubois. And yes, uh, they did give up a lot. Uh, fine in quantity, but I'm sorry if, if you don't think the Kings can easily replace Rasmus Kapari and Alex Iafalo, I just I just disagree. And I look at Carl Grunstrom as somebody who's along those lines. Like this is why you the organization had themselves in a spot because you've got a Grunstrom, a Kaliev. You got to look at the guys that are still sticking around this roster, Turcotte, Laferriere, not to mention the guys that were sent down, Akil Thomas. Like there's there's a litany of players to where it allows you to make that move and trade pieces to where you're losing an IFALO as much as he meant to the organization for a while and, and full marks to him for that. These are players you can replace. And if you can't replace them, then you've got bigger problems. But I don't think there's going to be any issues replacing those guys. So I generally, and I, and I think Grunstrom, to your point, is somebody that um, that can go a long way in doing that. Another player that can go a long way, and I've been very hard on the acquisition of Trevor Lewis, um, as Shankmaster says, impressed me more than I expected on the fourth line. Absolutely, full marks. I, I, I couldn't agree more. He had a very good game yesterday. Um, listen, we talked about how Anaheim, this was not their A team, so not going to go crazy. But uh, as somebody who has, has you know been a little un happy i guess you could say with the lewis acquisition because i just don't know how necessary it was i will give him his uh, his props for a really good game yesterday um a couple things i wanted to note though you know we talked a little bit here about dubois and fiala i want to switch it quickly this was really our first look at the power play um so i want you had tweeted out some of the combinations they were using in practice um leading into this game um, what was your take watching uh, from the from the press box there in the in this preseason game? With again, our first look at a, a potential real power play. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like, and I, I felt it felt kind of wrong just to kind of tweet out the the actual formations of the way they were set up in the in practice because it almost feels like there's like a little cycle going on with a certain side of the ice, and you have for the first unit you have Adrian Kempe, and the second unit you have Arthur Kelly have just kind of stationed on that right side, which where they should be, you have two of the best shooters on the team. And then on the left side, you have kind of like a rotation, whether it be uh, for the first line unit, I believe it's Kopitar, Arvidsson, and Fiala, yep. kind of circling around, trying to figure, find things, uh, find uh, spots open. And then the second unit, you have D D uh, Dubois, Deneau, and I believe it's Byfield, who's kind of doing the same thing. So, I mean, if that's really your number one strategy is to try to get your best weapons, the puck, in situations to score, whether it be Kempe or Kaliev, hey, sign me up. I mean, we saw that work last year and become a top five power play unit in the NHL. So, I mean, it's it's I guess it's more or less trying to acclimate some of the newer guys. And then the first unit seems to be pretty much the same besides having uh, not having Gabe Velarde there. But when you have the second unit with Phil, uh, P.L. Dubois, kind of on that you know i wonder if it's like okay maybe just trying to get him used to everything like that but i mean for a power play unit like i mentioned that was top five it's almost like a don't broke or don't fix when it isn't broken right so it's kind of keep it going yeah and what the biggest thing that that i was one of the biggest things i was thinking about after the trade was 
you know, heading into when Hiller came in, one of the issues I had with the power play prior to him coming in was they really didn't utilize the down low player. They really didn't utilize the bumper player. There was two big misses, all perimeter, all wasted shots, in my opinion, and not surprising that the power play was poor. Hiller comes in, moves Gabe Velarde down low, and they start using the low to high, right? They go the lefty on the flank, down low to a righty. There's a lefty in the bumper, lefty uh, Kempe on the right circle. It all flowed way better, and it was a huge difference. So my question coming into how the Kings were going to approach this is, are they going to put, you know, Dubois has experience playing down low behind the goal line. Will he be there on power play one, or will it be a different player? Uh, again, because I, I think that player, because of all the lefties, particularly your shooter, your your main trigger man, Kempe, being a lefty in the right circle, it doesn't need to be a righty behind the net, behind the goal line and down low, but it really would work better if it's a righty. They put Victor Arvins in there, and sure enough, what happens? He gets the puck. It was down low more along the side, makes the pass over to Kempe, bang, goal. And it's like that you see how they are going to try to play this. And to your point, whether it's Kopitar in the bumper or Fiala in the bumper, depending on how they cycle, I think the main kind of setup here is the righty Arvidsson down low. He'll make his way to the front of the net sometimes. And Kempe, the trigger man on the right-hand side. And if Kempe's taken, if that pass is taken away, you're going to look to Fiala and you're going to look to the bumper, the one touch to the bumper to that, to the, uh, to Kopitar. So I, I'm really interested to see how Arvidsson goes down low. I'm glad. I, again, I think it needed to be a righty. And I think Arvidsson is a, you know, he's a really good passer. I think for for all the talk about how much he shoots the puck, which he does, he's a, he's a good passer as well. So I actually think the power play is going to look pretty good. And when you go to unit two with, the, as the players you mentioned, Dubois, actually Trevor Moore spent some time there uh, in yesterday's game too. Uh, yeah. it was, uh, I, Dubois was out there. Obviously, Deneau's out there. Uh, it was Spence yesterday. Uh, Kaliev, and then I think we've seen both Moore and Byfield kind of get some looks out there too. So uh, overall, though, definitely happy with um, with what we saw from from the power play. And on the other side too, at least the penalty kills looking. I mean, like we talked about, it wasn't really the Ducks like <clears throat> A team. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can make an argument whether they're even an A team to begin with. <laughs> we've had this discussion, but <laughs> I mean. Yeah, the penalty kill is looking pretty good so far to start off with. So, I mean, that's going to be the main focus, I feel like, for special special teams is the penalty it, kill. It I mean, will it will be, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the power play is, if it can continue doing what it, what it did last year, everyone's going to be happy, yeah, great. But the penalty kill is where everything was kind of lost in, in terms of um, being successful there. So that's going to be uh, something to watch at the beginning of the year. Well, and I think what happened, there was a there – was a save that Talbot made earlier, I think it was on Max Jones, made a really nice play down low, cut to the front of the net. He had an acre of space and like to just make a move to the crease, uh, but Talbot made a nice save. And I, uh, and I thought Talbot looked good. I mean, made I think he only had to make 15, 16 saves. Um, but early on, any, any lean one way or the other for you, Talbot, Copley, uh, here in the early going? Yeah, that, that's a tough one right now. I feel like if I had to put money on it, I would say Talbot probably starts opening night. Uh, Copley gets the next game, and they just go from a rotation till then uh, for yeah. the first part of the season. David Riddich is probably, if he makes it through waiters, that's something we maybe we could talk about. But um, So, yeah, I would feel like those two are kind of the main um, 
two goaltenders that start with the King, the Kings to uh, at the beginning of the year. And yeah, Cal, Cam Talbot's looked good. Uh, if, if he can stay healthy throughout the entire year, I feel like he's going to play a majority of the games. Um, I would figure it'd be like, I don't know, 60% Talbot, 40% Copley uh, with a little bit of uh, Riddich mixed in there. So yeah, good start. That's reasonable. Uh, question in from Morgan. What do you think of Kempe on the penalty kill? Russ, thoughts on on uh, Adrian Kempe? And the, you know, you know what's weird? So at one of the practices, I think it was either Monday. I think it was Monday. Um, they were working on the penalty kill. They, they first started, and there was some conversation between some of the media about um, them noticing Kevin Fiala on the penalty kill in Australia. And it got me thinking, like, this. I feel like, this kind of correlates a little bit with Adrian Kempe, where you play your star players on a penalty kill. And I'm like, I, I like it almost. And I, I, the reason I say that is like, I think to like the Edmonton Oilers, they'll place Connor McDavid on the penalty kill just because he's the best player on their team. Why not get him on the ice when there's probably even less room where there's more room for him to operate because there's even a less player on his team to have to go through that. Hey, if Connor McDavid can get the open ice, he can, he can probably get through a couple guys and, and create a scoring chance. So why not give a player like Kevin Fiala or Adrian Kembe that kind of opportunity? Sure. They're not the best de- defensive type players, but Hey, if you're down by one or maybe try to create a scoring chance on the penalty kill. I mean, we saw a few times what happened last year with, with uh, Sean Dursey maybe trying to make those cross-ice passes, sometimes they don't go through. And if you can intercept one of those, hey, I'd rather have an Adrian Kemper or Kevin Fiala intercepting that pass than maybe a Blake Lazard or someone else. So I, I like the idea. Yeah, I have, I have no problem playing playing your top players on the penalty kill. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. And I think Kempe is a guy, all he needs is one one break and he's gone. Yep. Right, And he's got a shot that can do it too and, and – Hey, I'm, I have no issues, uh, no issues with that. Another question here comes in from Dyer Fan. Um, I guess this will be a good little transition into kind of the conversation about P.L. Dubois and Fiala, um, but then we'll also talk a little bit about Arvidsson. Um, how do we feel, or excuse me, Kaliev? Um, how do you feel with Kaliev, with uh, Dubois and Fiala will last? Do you think it will last? To me, he looks out of place and think it should be RV with Kaliev. With uh, RV with Kaliev with Moore and Phil, um, I'm, I'm gonna guess he thinks it should be RV with Dubois with and Fiala is what he's yeah. saying, and then Kaliev with Moore and Phil. And Dino, uh, Russ, thoughts on uh, that? Seems to be the topic du jour at the start of the season uh, for Kings fans is like who's playing with Dubois and Fiala, and everybody, and including us at times, is like, why is it not going to be Kaliev? <laughs> <laughs> well. It's weird because I mean that, that felt like the the right spot for Cali, right? You have the shiny mm-hmm. new toy in PL Dubois, obviously Kevin Fiala, the best playmaker on the team, in my opinion. Um, those two just look like everything's looking great so far with those two in terms of chemistry. And then you have Arthur Cali. And I, watching yesterday's game, I got like mixed reviews. I was reading some of the comments, and some people were saying, "Oh, that they, they thought Cali had a really good game," and then some were kind of pointing to some of the penalties he took. Obviously, the kneeing penalty. Um, on DeLeo, that's going to result in him having a hearing. He'll probably get like a, susp- a game suspension. I wouldn't expect him to even miss the opening night. Um, but I, so I, I wanted to ask McClellan. So I asked McClellan after the game, like what he thought of Kaliev's game. Because I asked him the other day too at practice what he thought of Kaliev playing at that spot. And he said, I think we talked about it at, uh, on the last podcast, where they asked for Artie to do a lot over the summer in terms of um, conditioning, 
working on his skating and he obliged. He, he worked on all of it. So I wanted to ask McClellan after the game yesterday, because in my opinion, it, it didn't look like a great game from Kelly. I noticed a lot of what P.L. Dubois and Kevin Fiala were doing on the ice. And I didn't really notice a lot of Kelly. So I asked McClellan, and he still just gave the same answer. We have all the confidence in the world in Kaliev, and he did all his stuff over that summer for us, and we're just so happy and excited for what he can bring for the, for the season. And I was like, okay, that's kind of an odd answer after what, in my opinion, I thought, I, I thought was a so-so game for Marty. But it, it got me thinking, like, I, I really feel like they're trying to instill a ton of confidence in the Kaliev. Like, they realize that he's got the ultimate weapon of a shot in terms of a wrist shot or, or one-timer. And if he can just keep that skating ability up just to be average or even above average, I mean, that's going to be a huge, huge player for the Kings in terms of playing with Dubois and Fiala. So I, I in, in my opinion, I don't see Kaliev sticking with Dubois and Fiala past like a month into the season. I just, I don't see it. I'd rather have, Ar- like I agree with Dyer fan here. I'd rather see Arvis in there. I think that he would mesh well with those two, but I don't know. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I, I'd love to see Kalia figure it out with uh, with uh, Dubois and Fiala, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, the the jury's still out on me. Yeah, I, I'm kind of along the same lines. Like, I just I still am skeptical that it's going to last. Um, I think I, it's again, it's in on paper, it's a great fit. It's just will it fit? And I wonder. Yeah. You know they're trying to instill confidence, and I and I think I I really buy that. I think they're trying to build him up, but I also wonder within these last couple of games, is there? Do we see now in, instead of an instilling a confidence, do we see a little like a uh, okay, this spot isn't guaranteed to you? And what I mean by that is, do we see maybe Laferriere play along just as a hey Kaliev, like this isn't set for you, so yeah. there's somebody else that's vying for this potential roster spot. So no, just something to keep an eye on. I think it's a good question. I think it's something that we're going to be talking about for a while. Uh, I suspect they're at least going to give Kaliev a few games in the start of the season to see how this goes. And maybe a lot of it could be just based on how the team goes. Like if, even if there's a little bit of a struggle with the team's winning, maybe they'll give it a little bit more time to see if it can mesh. But I, I I'm like you overall, I'm hopeful, but just a little skeptical. Yeah. What, did, what, did, what were your thoughts on, on the, the kneeing penalty? You think he gets a game? Or yeah, I, I, I would say a game, um, especially – I think a game. Um, I think yeah. I don't think there's any, like, maliciousness to it, but he caught him with a knee. Um, it, it, it's – what are you going to do? I mean, it, it, it was is, just like he was frustrated getting dumped by – I think Gudis dumped him, and then he got up, tried to respond, and obviously just missed totally, so – yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't surprised at all that he got the hearing. I, like, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a game, but I, I fully expect him to be back opening night. I agree. And you know who else is going to be back, not only opening night, but this week, Russ, is DraftKings. We're back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner i'm going to throw out a recommendation here russ do not bet the new york football giants i don't care i think they're 11 point dogs (laughs) what an abomination of a football team right now they're in miami and yes at DraftKings, the giants are getting 11 points don't go anywhere near the giants folks i'm sure i didn't need to tell you that but in case you were wondering don't touch them (laughs) 
<laughs> don't touch him. Uh, and no, betting Draft- tips by Joe. <laughs> DraftKings is not stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football is more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensed partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Okay. Speaking of gambling, thank you, Russ. Speaking of gambling, not only do not do the Giants, I told you before the show. So that, just to wrap up the whole Ducks, the Ducks-Kings thing, I was telling Russ before the show, uh, not the greatest look for Anaheim to get absolutely throttled like the day after I placed Anaheim over 68 points in the regular season this year. But hey, I've been saying it. I've been saying I think Anaheim is going to be more competitive. I've been saying that they're probably going to 20 points would get them to I think 79. That's probably pushing it. I think they can comfortably get to the low to mid 70s. So maybe a 15 point increase. So I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. Tough look though to get to get beaten the way they were beaten uh, right after doing that, Russ. I think I, I mean I, I don't expect them to be that bad. I don't expect them to be as bad as they were last year. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. I I mean, in my opinion, Mason McTavish is their best player, and he wasn't playing last night. So yeah, you have that. There you we know. go. There we go. Okay, some waivers um, to get to. Uh, listen, this is going to be expected. Obviously, you have to trim the roster. Real quick run-through of the players that were sent on waivers. Um, Akil Thomas, uh, Kevin Connaughton, Yuri Hicketts, uh, fan favorite Hayden Hodgson, Mikhail Maltsev, Jacob Movarari, once again, TJ Tynan, and Sortari. And, of course, so long, Sammy. Fagimo is uh, off to Nashville. He was claimed by the Predators. Um, thoughts, Russ, on you know any of this list of uh, players that were waived, and, of course, uh, on Samuel Fagimo, who was no longer with the organization. Yeah, I mean, the list, or in terms of the players that actually got put on waivers, to me, wasn't surprising. We kind of expected all this to happen with the P.L. Dubois trade, um, the signing of Trevor Lewis. Uh, everybody kind of figures that there's only going to be one extra player carried on this roster, so you're going to have 21 skaters on, on the, or 21 players on the roster to start. So, I mean, seeing Sammy Fagimo on waivers, yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, fully expected. I was surprised that he was claimed, but I mean, I'm not really that I've gotten to the point where I'm not really that upset of losing players or players on waivers. Um, I mean, obviously it depends on the type of player or the player that is on waivers, but for me in terms of Sammy Fagimo, yeah, it sucks. We, 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 we thought highly of Fagimo, but this comes with the territory when you have players like Alex Ferrier, Alex Turcotte, 
I mean, even Akil Thomas, I can even put up there when, with his showing with the hat trick in the preseason game against Vegas. I mean, yeah, it, it's unfortunate you lose a player like Sammy Begimo that we've been paying so much attention to that has done so well for this organization lately. But I mean, it, there's really no reason to get upset about it. Like, I can just look back at the last. Let, let's let's talk about the last few players that have been claimed from the Kings on waivers. Kale Clay, for example. Like, we were all up in arms, myself included. Like, I was like, oh, man, why are we losing a player like Kale Clegg? Especially a left-shot defenseman at the time. We were all looking for one. We lose him on waivers, and sure enough, he's in Buffalo. and Up and down. Not like, yeah. He's, he's still in Buffalo, right? He is, but he, he spent some time in Rochester last year, too. And that's pretty much what he is. He's a fringe NHL, AHL player. That I mean, that's what he pretty much probably will be in the NHL. Um, and then you can go back even further. Troy Grosnick, another goaltender that was claimed by Edmonton and eventually just came back to the Kings. Who else? So, like, Jordan Nolan was claimed on waivers back in the day. I mean, you don't really see, like, star players get claimed on waivers and just become really, really star players. It's very, very uh, rare. So, yeah, like I mentioned, it sucks to lose a player like Figuimo, but I don't know. I wasn't really bawling my eyes out over it. Yeah, I, I think I made the joke in the group chat about something about Trevor Lewis. But at the end of the day, I mean, realistically speaking, it, that was almost that's irrelevant. I think the Trevor Lewis thing, because as you alluded to, even with if Lewis was gone, there is still like Grunstrom is on that fourth line. Jared Anderson Dolan was not waived. And I think this speaks a lot to how the organization views Jared Anderson Dolan, in my opinion. Um, obviously, you mentioned Laferriere and Turcotte. These are two guys that could be um, ahead of already Sammy Figimo. So it's like, it's nothing against Figimo. It's a numbers game. These things happen. Um, it's tough. Of, I think the biggest thing for people is you lose a player that, you know, has scored at a decent clip in the AHL at the professional level back-to-back years and you lose them for nothing at a young age and I and I get that I, I understand but it, it is the, the way the numbers shake out even if Lewis wasn't here he Fagimo's still probably getting waived at some point this offseason because I don't know that he beats out I don't know who he beats out you know again I don't know that he beats out Anderson Dolan I don't know that he beats out Turk Heidelaferia. I, I don't know that. So there's a he, there's a chance he's going to get waived anyways. And I, good on him and good for him because he's going to get an Absolutely. opportunity here in Nashville. And I, I hope he does do well. Um, so again, we're, we're fans of the player. It's just, it, it's tough. I mean, I, I, I don't know what, what, what else were they going to do? I mean, the, cause that's, if you played the game of play it, safe the way the Kings kind of historically have done. So you Turcotte is down and he doesn't have to clear. LaFerrier doesn't have to clear. Again, is he getting is he beating out Grunstrom or Anderson Dolan for a spot or Trevor Lewis for a spot? I don't know that he is. So he's probably getting sent down anyways. Um mm-hmm. it's just is what it is. I mean and and it, it sucks, but what are you gonna do? Yeah, I mean I totally agree. And I saw some people saying like the Trevor Lewis signing was part of the reason why Sammy Figuimo had to go on waivers. No, it wasn't. If, if Trevor Lewis wasn't signed, Jared Anderson Dolan probably gets that spot. He, and then Sammy Figuimo still goes on waivers. So I feel like Jared Anderson Dolan is ahead of him in the depth chart. It's like right. we've been just mentioned a player like Alex Ferrier, who's played so well in the preseason, is probably ahead of him in the depth chart as well. But it's pretty much like the Pierre-Luc Dubois is the reason that some of these moves are being made because of how up against the cap the Kings are, unfortunately, at this at this time in the, in the season. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, 
it's not something you want to see in terms of losing a prospect and a player that like Figimo, but I mean, I, I agree with you. I want to see Sammy Figimo thrive and, and get the playing time. It's good for the player. And, sure. and it's funny because I was, I was at the practice that that day he got claimed and all the guys are skating are stepping onto the ice. And I look at the locker room door and out comes Sammy Figimo on the phone. And I could just imagine, like, think about it as like a 23 year old kid from Sweden who just moved to LA gets to know his, his teammates. And that's all he really knows. He's been here in Ontario. Now all of a sudden you're moving to Nashville. <laughs> like, I can imagine like the, just like the change and like his whole world has been turned upside down at this point and, yeah. and better for it really, because now he's going to be a legit, he's going to get legit NHL playing time. He has to stay on the roster, I believe for the first 30 days or 10 games or so of the season. So good for him. And let's see, let's see what he does of it. Yeah, in, and even if Lafarian and Turcotte are not ahead of him in the depth chart, it could simply be the coaching staff is like, we know what we got in Sammy. We really want to get more looks here before the end of preseason at, at Lafarian and Turcotte. So they're the ones that stick around because there's two preseason games, or three at the time that the, the moves were made, but there's two preseason games left now. You know, and so they, the, the staff may just say, we want another look, one or two more looks at these young kids to say, are we keeping these guys around? Are they going to make the roster? So I think it could be as simple as that, too. And, you know, th these things happen. I mean, I will um, say, too, it's like the Kings are okay with the loss in terms of they can replace a player like Sammy Fagima with the talent they had. It would have been a lot more hurtful if a player like Jacob Mobrar was claimed on waivers because then all of a sudden your left D kind of depth gets hit really dramatically because then you all of a sudden you only have Tobias Bjornfoot there after Andreas Anglin, who I think is going to make the roster. Um, and then after that, I believe it's Kim Noisyainen or Cole Krieger, people players mm -hmm. that have never even played in the NHL before. So the fact that Jake Morar, I think it's, I'm going to have to get used to saying this. Morara. Morara. Yeah. That's, we're, we're new we're to this. We're working, we're working on, it. on it, but yeah, the fact that he's still around that makes me a little bit a little happier because now we still have that depth on the left side. If I'm being honest, along the those lines, Russ, I if I had to pick, I mean, a lot of these guys are either guys that really weren't being, you know, we love Hodgson and what he did, and all that stuff, but like, yeah, these, these, but if I look at the three players of Fagimo, of Akil Thomas, and of Jacob Movarara, the one that I would be quote unquote okay with losing out of that bunch of Samuel Fagimo because I'm probably high as as high as anybody on Akil Thomas. And you know I like Jacob Overara. I mean I I I genuinely think he's probably the third best left-handed defenseman in the organization who just continues to get passed over and passed over and passed over. I don't quite know why. Um but it is what it you know he he's safely gets moved on to Ontario and he can eat some minutes there and do what he does. Um, but you, yeah, you I should... mean, I, I totally agree. Just real, yep, I would have been a lot more disappointed if they had lost to Kill Thomas because I feel like there's a, another level to his game that that can be unlocked. I'm I'm really glad that a team didn't really take that gamble yet. But because he's, I feel like he's going to be a, a big impact player for the Kings in the future. I agree. Shankmaster comes in here with a question of what did we think of England's play last night? And I, and I, I'm glad he asked this because you made a comment just a second ago, Russ, that you think England makes the team right now, right now. Uh, if my math is right, 
28 players remain in camp. And actually, I believe I'm stealing this from your tweet, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so maybe yeah. your math. Hopefully your math is right. There's 17 forwards, eight defensemen. Taking okay. a gamble there. <laughs> so if if England makes the team in Russ's opinion, who's out? Do they keep seven defensemen? Is that do you think they're gonna go seven defensemen? I guess that's my first question. So is one defenseman going down? Is that is that what you're saying? Or you're thinking? This is this is how I feel like it's shaking out. So the the twenty eight players that are on the roster still, I believe that includes Andre Lee and Tyler Madden, who uh there's some injury situation going on with them. Uh, I believe uh I talked to Jared Shaffron of the rain and he said Lee is week to week, but he's looking pretty good. So shouldn't be out too long and Tyler Madden's day to day. So they had to keep him on for injury purposes. But in terms of the final roster for the Kings, I think there's just one decision that needs to be made and it's whether they keep Jared Anderson Dolan or Tobias Bjornfoot as the extra skater, because one of those players has to go through waivers. And I mean, for me, it's a coin flip. Uh, personally, I would rather keep Tobias Bjornfoot just because I like having seven defensemen over having 13 forwards on the roster because you never know. You don't want to play a game and then something freak happens in warm-ups and you're down to five defensemen. You don't have a, a sixth, seventh defenseman ready to, to replace him. And, and then also you have Tobias Bjornfoot. And, I mean, we've kind of like in the situation where we're in a wait-and-see pattern with Bjornfoot, show us something uh, to gain that roster spot. But he does, he does still have that experience. Obviously, a left-shot defenseman would be a little bit more of a loss in terms of the depth of this team. Um, so, yeah, I think the last rush by, if I had to bet, goes to Bjornfoot. So are you – and I'm reading between the lines. Clark is not making this roster in Russell yeah, Morgan's opinion. Okay. That's yeah. – I tried. I tried to see if McClellan would take the bait in terms of maybe switch, <laughs> having a guy on the right side by the left, but I and I'm I I saw that and I love it because that's and and I hope it, hope he knows where you're going with that. But oh, he kn he knew exactly. I mean, I, I tried to frame it in terms of like I'm not like obviously it's like Jordan Spence and Brent Clark. We all yeah. expect him to be better than a player like Andreas England, but you don't want to say that. So it's like, hey, yeah, yeah. you have the talent on the right side. Like, is there a chance we see one of those players shift to left side? He's like, hey, we like the balance we have right now with lefties and sure. righties. So it is what it is. I mean, having Brian Clark start in the AHL isn't the worst thing. You give him it's top not. line minutes, top line power play, and it, he'll most likely be the number one call up if need be. Yeah, I'm just coming to accept that as well. I, I, I kind of think that that's where it's going to go. Because I think Jordan Spence has played really well. I, I don't think there's any reason that he needs to go. So in terms of the forwards, so there, there, there it is. You think Clark Clark goes down, and then it's between Englund and Bjornfoot as to who actually plays regularly in LD three. The other one's your seventh yeah. defenseman. So as far as the forward group, um, I think the the kind of quote unquote battle, I guess, for a thirteenth forward would be because um, they're not going to carry fourteen. Um, no. If they're able to carry thirteen, that, that battle would be between uh, the two the two kids and Laferriere Turcotte, um, and then of course there's Jared Anderson Dolan, who I've I've referred to in the past as the perfect thirteenth forward. Um, so how do you how do you handicap that situation? Do you think these kids have a shot to make this roster? One of them, um, or do you see they're both neither have to clear waivers? Um, so you think that the the easy route is to just give them the shot in the AHL? Yeah, I think that's the easy route. And it certainly feels like from everything that the management has said, McClellan has talked about in terms of bringing up some CBA and, and whatever, the fact that those two players are waiver exempt, 
it's just the easy route. I mean, I can make the argument where I just want to see the best players play. And I think Alex Ferrier is a better player than some of the forwards on the roster. But obviously, he hasn't played an NHL game yet. Maybe we're hyping him up a little too much. Let's see what he can do in the AHL for the time being. And then if injuries happen, he's the first forward called up uh, like Bjorn, like uh, Brent Clark is. I think I agree. Um, and I think I agree with you that if it were between, if, if the decision came between due to contracts, due to the cap, Bjorn Foot and Anderson Dolan, I don't think Anderson Dolan gets claimed. I think simply because he's a left shot, a young left shot defenseman, I think Bjorn Foot, there's a more of a risk that he gets claimed. Um, so I, w- I would agree there. I would, if I'm going to gamble on trying to slip one through, I would try to slip Anderson Dolan through if it, if it did come to that. But um, no real disagreement here from me. Again, I, I, I would much rather see Anderson Dolan be the 13th forward. <laughs> Lewis not around and Laferriere play or Turcotte play on that. But it is what it is, though. I'm, I'm again much like a, a Brant Clark. I'm, I'm I'm becoming you know content with the fact that he's going to start in Ontario. That Trevor Lewis is going to be here on the fourth line. So uh, no, King's Rule. Randon is not going to be happy. I'm sure. I don't know what time it is in Portugal, but I'm guarantee you, CJ. Randon is yelling. I maybe we just maybe he like had one of those things where like his ears are ringing in the yeah. middle of the night. Just woke uh, up. He's like, it's like an echo going yeah, on. But just real quick on Anderson Dolan, like he wasn't qualified and he signed technically mm-hmm. as a free agent. True. So that's, true. that's true. I mean, he could have just like got not got qualified. His agent could have worked the phone, say, Hey, you're gonna give him NHL playing time. That obviously didn't really happen. He just re-signed with the Kings as a free agent. So I mean he's he's been available already this summer to every NHL team. And but he chose to re-sign with the Kings and so I, I'm not too worried about possibly losing him to waivers. I, I feel like it'd be easier for him to get to get uh, to kind of go through that uh, waivers than it would be on foot. Yeah, and that's that's a good call. I actually I, I didn't uh, I, I did forget that he he wasn't qualified. Although I I don't remember how quickly he signed. Um, it was like right away, right? I, I believe it was. Like- I, I I thought it was. So so that said though, that's 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 true. So and again, I I think Anderson Dolan. And, and I think people sometimes overlook he, he, I call him a Swiss army knife. He, that's why I like him as a 13th forward. I think a coach loves a player like this because genuinely you can play him anywhere. You can play him on any wing. You can play him down the middle and he's skilled enough in a pinch to play up in the lineup. If you need him to be, he can play penalty kill. He can play power play. You saw him play power play. Uh, in in the preseason at times this year, so I just think he's such a versatile player that he he offers. Some, and again, he's not like great at any of these things, which is why he's in the spot that he's in. But I genuinely think that the reason that that he stuck around here as this kind of thirteenth forward is because of that versatility, because he can do so many different things. Um, and I think that's that's valuable. That's valuable to a coach. Now, to the point here that King's Rule makes, if we lose Anderson Dolan, it wouldn't be the end of the world. No, it, of course it wouldn't be the end of the world. And I, and we agree with that. It's just I can see why he's still here, and I'm not surprised that he he wasn't waived at this point, and he's making it to this deep into camp. I think we, we kind of went on a, a long tangent away from the original question of what what did you think of Andreas England? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> well, well, so let's go from there. What did you think of his game yesterday? This is really our first, I guess, real look at him in terms of in the States and at home. So what was your first impression? 
he's I had been very cautious on being too heavy with an opinion because I just haven't seen a lot of the player. And I'm still going to be cautious because it's it's preseason, haven't seen a ton. But from what I've seen, it's exactly kind of what I expected. Really safe player. Like he'll look to, you know, he'll wrap, he'll wrap it in the D zone. He wants to keep things to the outside. You know, I see he's very physical. Like he's not afraid to jump up and, and make a hit. So like there's there's obviously a dimension there. You know, not the fleetest of foot, not going to go crazy with the puck. Um, when we talk, I don't know, like when we talk about unnecessary signings, like I don't know what he does that Movarara doesn't, I guess. Um, if, if I'm looking at that, like the way that they play, maybe the fact that he's a bit more physical, he brings definitely brings more of that physical punch. Um, so I, I, I guess I can see that. All that to say, uh, I think I'd play Bjornfoot over him. And maybe that's saying oh, a lot coming from me. Um, yeah. But again, I I want – I'm going to lean to the puck mover. I'm going to lean to the guys that are a little bit comfortable with the puck. And I think Bjornfoot, for, for all of his flaws, and, and if we really want to see, like, what Bjornfoot is, you know, talk about giving Cali up a little bit of a leash. Why not give, – give Bjornfoot this leash here. Like, it, this could be a sink or swim season for Bjornfoot. So – let him do either of those in the first month of the season. This is this is where I'm kind of gravitating toward with the England signing is you have a young player on the right side, whether it be Jordan Spencer, Brent Clark, why not pair him with a physical type player like an Andreas England? So I get that part. I wouldn't expect England to play more than like 10 to 12 minutes a night. That's this what is going to be what that's what his job's going to be. Just go out there. It's like you mentioned, safe minutes, get the puck out, finish his checks. And I, I like what he did in last night's game. He was physical. He made his presence known. It's good for him to get kind of introduce himself to the fans of Los Angeles. So I, th- I thought he, he played a, a pretty good uh, – or made a pretty good statement in terms of that. Um, but, yeah, I think it's uh, more or less protection for a player like uh, whether it be Spence or Brent Clark because Jordan Spence is going to – He's going to get a lot of his points off the power play. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't really have to play a lot of five-on-five five minutes. That's why you have a pair like Anderson and Dowdy or Kavrikov or Roy. They're going to play the majority of the five-on-five five minutes. Then you have that bonus pair in England and Spence with Jordan Spence kind of quarterback in that second power play unit. So I'm not expecting much from England. Just don't do anything dumb. <laughs> just, just go out there, be safe, get pucks out. Yeah, no turnovers. So I think we'll be okay there. King's Rule came in. Even Jim Fox said that, Joe. I'll, I don't know what you're referring to, King's Rule, so let me know. <laughs> I, I, I'm guessing I, it's, I, I wonder if it's Bjornfoot. I wonder if it's the leash for Bjornfoot because I agree with you. Like maybe okay. like, if it's going to be those like a minimal position in terms of just the – we're talking about third pair left D. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're talking about the first right D man. So, I mean, it's just going to be maybe at the leash. You know, I'm sure we'll see Bjornfoot in a lot of games here if he, he's the player that gets uh, on – the extra skater that they keep. West Coast bias with it. England's a new Matt Green. You need guys like that. Won me over last night with his hits. Uh, okay. I, I can buy that. I buy the logic. I don't know if I totally subscribe to it in, in 2023, 2024. Um, but I get it. That that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's that's fine. Like I I like when I see I just see this. Like I don't know in if Matt Green has a role in today's game. Does that sound crazy? Like the way he played, I don't know, like he, maybe I'm being a little harsh here, but 
Um, Are there the Matt Greens of the world still around? Yeah, like I, I, I mean, offhand, I can't think of much in off the Kings besides maybe like in England, but yeah, yeah, and, and, and I get it, I get it, and I think you're right. I, I understand the big physical presence, um, with, particularly with a young, with a young player like Spence, um, and or Clark next or, or Clark next to him, um, you know, and and the West Coast comes in again. Physicality was missing versus Edmonton. I know this was a huge, huge topic of conversation: size, physicality. Um, that's fine and dandy, but there's no way England is catching anybody on that Edmonton team. So it's, to me, that's a moot point. That's totally irrelevant because I don't, he's going to get spun around. I genuinely don't think that that's, there'll be another left shot defense. Yeah. I don't think he'll be the, yeah, I I agree. I don't think, I don't think he'll be left shot three come, uh, come playoff time. So, all right, Russ, let's get to what we maybe think of here as uh, our X factor as we head into the 23, 24 season. So we are, as we said, a week away, there's two more preseason games. So there's still some decisions to be made um, in, in the preseason in camp here. So um, how do you, where do you want to take this? Who is your, or what is your, I don't know where you're going to, which way you're going to go with this X factor as you head into the 23, 24 season. Yeah, so for me, like X factor, I mean, you can, it's like such a wide definition, and I kind of view it as some somebody or something that will elevate this team to take it to the next level that maybe you're not expecting, maybe not a lot of people are expecting to. Like a lot of people expect Adrian Kempe to score a lot of goals, Kevin Fiala to get a lot of points. I believe Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to get do do the, all the great stuff that. In terms of, I, I believe he's going to have career high in points this year, just play, playing with a player like Kim Fiala. So, it's kind of thinking about this. And for me, I came up with, with a player that me and you especially were not so high on when he came to LA last year in terms of the trades. So, I settled with Vladislav Gavrikov as okay. my X factor for this year. And the reason I say that is because when Vladislav Gavrikov came to the LA Kings, the entire top four of the defense just dramatically changed. And I will say that the entire defense just dramatically changed. The Kings went on a crazy run in March, um, set a franchise point streak. And Gavrikov, I have some numbers here. I have, so I have some numbers. And I, I, I thought about maybe pairing Gavrikov with Matt Roy and having those be my, my X factor in terms of that pairy. But I thought it would be a little, little cheapy. But so I just stuck on Gavrikov because really it wasn't until he arrived is when those two started thriving. So sure. when Gavrikov was on the Kings last year, I think he played 20 games. He led the team in points per 60 during five on five and all defensemen. And the pairing of Gavrikov and Roy led the entire NHL in expected goal share at 69.45% according to the natural stat trick. That number, 69.45%, is actually the highest number among all defensive pairs going back to 2007. I looked it up. According to Natural Statric, they have the highest expected goal share among all defensive pairs who have played a minimum of 200 minutes together going back to 2007 when advanced stats started to become tracking. Insane numbers. If that pair, I mean, we're talking about if we can get a full season of that pair playing at that level. This is legitimately one of the better pairs across the entire National Hockey League. And, I mean, we know or we don't expect Gavrikov to play a lot of power play time. 
more or less it's going to be Drew Doughty, Brad Clark, Jordan Spence. But I wouldn't be surprised if Gavrikov leads this team in term, leads defensemen on the Kings in five on five scoring. Man, wow. I mean, it's it's weird, you know. But hey, Rob, you know, bold, bold predictions were last week, Russ. Yeah, I know, right? it's just, but I mean, a lot of this too, I think, is is Matt Roy. I mean, you know, I'm yeah. so high on Matt Roy. I think he's more or less been the MVP of the Kings the last few years, and just kind of a sidebar. I think it was 2019, 2020. You know the defensive pair that led the NHL in expected goal share was minimum 200 minutes? Matt Roy and Joachim Ryan led the NHL in expected goal share that year. Crazy, right? I know. So I think a lot of it has to do with Matt Roy. But, man, with Gavrikov in now, I think the Kings finally – I mean, how often did we talk about Jacob Chikrin? Yep. So much that it became annoying to some people. I get it. But Vladislav Gavrikov, we were all kind of down on him when he came over. But, man – the Kings legitimately have one of the better, in my opinion, in terms of analytics, top four four defensive cores across the National Hockey League. And I think if Gavrikov and Roy can can keep it going, this team, the sky's the limit for this team. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head too with with just everybody continues to underappreciate Matt Roy, it seems. I mean, how how good is is this guy? Um, I'll say this, and not to pour like cold water, but to your point of it. Being a, uh, uh, they played it a clip, uh, on a, on a still a relatively small sample clip uh, of of 69.4%. Like I'm not expecting it that level, but I think yeah. if they can still play at a at a really really high level, which certainly last night they did uh, against the Ducks. What were they 33 to three? In uh, I think Dooley had tweeted it. Uh, Zach Dooley tweeted, and I, I hadn't double checked it on natural stat checker, but I'm sure he's right. <laughs> Shot attempts were 33 to three for Gavin. I want to bring up the number, but go, go ahead. I want to bring Gavin up that really. It was insane. But but yeah, so like um, yes, that that pair I think is is very capable of being. If if they play anything close to what they did last year, they're going to be one of the better pairs at the very least shutdown pairs, uh, if not more in in the NHL. Yeah, no no question. And you're yeah, right. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Those X factor can go a lot of different ways because it can be a player, as you just mentioned. It could be a a a special teams like the penalty kill is an X factor this year. It could be a position. The goaltending is a position this year. It could be a young, the young guys. Like it's a huge. If if Kaliev and or Byfield have a big year, that's the X factor. There's there's a lot of different ways that you can perhaps go with this. I. I'm going to go. Ironically, it's very similar to, to yours. I think. Okay. Uh, I like it. In a, in a way, in a way, in that it's a defenseman, and the the reason why I say this is because one of the things that I have been very cautious or hesitant about with the decor is I just I want I, I'm somebody that likes offense from the blue line, and I think the Kings are lacking there. Um, now maybe to your point, maybe Gavrikov, I don't think Gavrikov and Roy produce much. I think at the end of the day, like, I think they're projected. I think we, what we talked about, they were projected for like 19 or 20 points. Kind of think that's about where they settle. I, my X factor is Drew Doughty. I think if Drew Doughty continues to have this resurgence that we've kind of seen from him, and he can be somebody that gets and pushes that 50-point mark again, then I think the Kings 
in addition to being him and Anderson, a great pair. And then you've got, you're going to follow that up with Gavrikov and Roy as a total shutdown pair. Like, I think the Kings need, I still want offense from the top, especially the top four. So if Drew Doughty can deliver that offense, the Kings are going to be extremely difficult to slow down because the spine they have down the middle um, and they've got some firepower on the wings I think that if you start, if you can mix in some offense blue line on top of that, then they're going to be really, really tough to stop and really tough to slow down. And to be honest, it might not even matter how the goaltending is. Like I think if they're, they could be that good of an offensive threat of an offensive team. Cause I do think you need in today's game, you need to create offense from the blue line. It's my biggest question probably right now on the Kings as a roster is, can they do enough of that? I know they can keep it out, but can they create offense from the blue line? So my X factor is, is actually drew Doughty because if he continues to get, like I said, have this resurgence and play, really good hockey where he's he's playing well in the power play and he's pushing that 50 point mark but like the other side of it the reason why i say this is an x factor if he doesn't like if if age starts to catch up or we go back to the drew dowdy that we saw maybe three four years ago and we start to see a slip you know and and he's getting 25 30 points i think the kings have a problem because then there's no offense whatsoever from the blue line. And I do think that's an issue. Now I'm not suggesting that's going to happen, but um, I just think like we've seen a lull in Dowdy's game in, in the past. Now it can be attributed to, well, the Kings weren't very good and he was just kind of frustrated. And that's, and you know what, maybe that's worked out because obviously they've been better recently and he's been better recently. So um, I think it's true Dowdy for that reason. And I think we're sort of along the same lines is that, the, the defense is huge. Like I think they've added so much to the offense, um, you know, over the in last couple of years, you know, Deneau, Arvidsson, Dubois, um, obviously Fiala. So there's a, there's a lot of firepower offensively. Kempe's exploded and, and, you know, there's still like some questions on the back end, like up until the deadline last year for Gavrikov, when he came in, it was a huge hole, a uh, huge question mark. Now that seems to be filled, and if that if he can if he and Roy can solidify that, and if Dowdy can be a productive player, you've got a dynamite a dynamite defense group and a dynamite top four, and I think that could put the Kings over the top. So I, I absolutely love that you picked not only Drew Dowdy but just another defenseman because I feel like a lot of the Kings' production in terms of points is going to come from the defense, or they're going to rely a little bit more on the hat than they have in the past. Because I mean. Granted, there were times that the Kings couldn't even buy a goal from from defense. But, I mean, obviously with the emergence of Sean Dursey the last few years um, and then Drew Doughty kind of getting back to form a little bit. I mean, 52 points from Doughty last year, that's nothing. Yep. Like, that's great. I mean, I would love that production again. Yep. But, so, yeah, I, I think, I think if, like I talked about with Gavrikov and Roy, if those two can kind of get it going five on five, and then you have to, whether it be Jordan Spence or Brian Clark, I mean, I'm looking at, I was looking up some stats here, and, and it's only been one time in the Kings franchise history that they've had more than two defensemen score at least 40 points. And that was the 92 93 season with Rob Blake, Paul Coffey, Marty McSorley, and Alex Zipnick. That was four players. I think there's a legit chance you can see three defensemen here with 40 points in the season. We just talked about with Drew Doughty. Um, I think there's going to be a maybe if, if whether it be Jordan Spence gets that full time on the second power play, I think you get a lot of points there. 
And then Vladislav Gavrikov, his career highest 33 points. And that was playing for a really poor Columbus team, I think, in 2019, 2020. I think his main D partner was Andrew Peaky. So, I mean, you know how high I am in Matt Roy. If he can have mm-hmm. a full season playing with him, give Gavrikov a little bit more of a leash in terms of being more aggressive in the offensive. Because, I mean, that was one of the first things we noticed about Gavrikov when he first came over. He was just constantly uh, trying, trying to play behind the opponent's net. So, I think there's a little legit chance that we see a lot more of point protection from the defensive court. So the the Kings. So and this is what's interesting because I and I've I've said it before. They it's just a a bunch of defensive defensemen on this team, and it's just not my forte. It's not my the way I like to see hockey played these days. But like that said, clearly McClellan wants these guys active because how often are we seeing Gavrikov up in the play Matt Roy last year up in the play Mikey Anderson joining the rush even Englund at times in this preseason you've seen him him jump up in the play so it's not as if McClellan is telling these guys you can't go into the play you can't jump up into the offensive zone go into the slot go to the front of the net because all of them have done that I think I think just where it gets tricky is, is um, I mean, they've looked, Gavrikov especially, looked kind of natural at it last season at points. So that was a, a pleasant surprise because, you know, you're asking these guys, and that's fine, jump up in the play. Mikey Anderson, jump up in the play. Gavrikov, jump up in the play. But that said, like, overall offensive skill level is just not their thing. So it's a little no, different no. when you're saying, Dowdy, jump up in the play. Now you're a real threat. Jordan Spence, jump up in the play. Brant Clark, jump up in the play. These guys are real threats to actually score, where I think if Anderson Gavrikov and these guys jump up in the play, it adds to created chaos. And even if they aren't the ones to score, maybe they there's a rebound or there's a puck that bounces off somebody and it creates a scoring opportunity, which is all well and good. So that to say, like, McClellan – and the Kings do want their defensemen to be active and to be involved in the offensive zone. So I, I, I do give big kudos, big kudos to that. Yeah. I mean, we saw it. That was pretty much how the Ducks scored yesterday was Mikey Anderson jumping up into play and, and try to create something that happened. And then I think Arthur Kelly and him had a miscommunication there and it led to the goal the other way. But yeah, I mean, if those, I mean, that's what we've been asking for, right? It's just, Let's see a little bit more activation from the defenseman here. Yep. Keep, keep pucks alive. Keep get it up to yep. the fours. You don't have to try to look to score. Just keep get the pucks to your playmakers, and and it's all they're really asking. And and maybe we'll see a little bit more of that this year too. So one one thing, Russ, I'm I'm because I mentioned his name, and it's he, we didn't have him on the rundown, but I'm going to throw this out there to you and and take it wherever you want. I mentioned Todd McClellan. This is the last year of his contract, and it seems like. There's a, there's there's a lot of if you if you read the Twitter, there's a lot of people not in love with Todd McClellan. Yep. I don't share that. I I tend to be a fan. Where are you with McClellan? But also not only like your thoughts on I guess on McClellan, but just kind of your if you had to make a guess, like is there any point this season where his job becomes in jeopardy? Does he need to do something? Does he need to win a playoff series, do you think? Does he need something like that to happen to get an extension? Do you think an extension is inevitable? What are your kind of overall thoughts on on Todd McClellan? From a team perspective, I think an extension is inevitable. 
just from everything I kind of gathered from talking to the team and everything and hearing from Rob Blake. I mean, in my opinion, he has to win a playoff series. It's, it's, I think that's the next step in the process here. If the team doesn't win and goes out again in the first round, then there's going to be a lot of hand, palms up in the air and like going, what's going on here? Is it the coach? Is it some mm-hmm. the direction that's going on? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I, I'm with you. I think McClellan has been a main factor in terms of this team taking it the next step and being a legit playoff slash Stanley Cup contender. So I, I want the Kings to take that next step in terms of just winning a playoff series so that way they can shed that kind of monkey off their back. And then you give McClellan that extension. But, I mean, if the team starts off hot, I wouldn't be surprised if they just announced the extension midseason. But if things aren't going well, I mean, I don't. I mean, I could. I don't think the extension happens before the season. I mean, I, I would. I would kind of hope not. I think they. I would hope that they wait. Like I mentioned, I, I'd like to see that playoff series win first. But I'm guessing that they maybe will see that extension come around December and January, depending on how the team is doing. But if the team's not yeah. doing well, maybe we see a Terry Murray situation. Uh, like during the cup run with Joe Sutter coming in, who knows? Yeah, you mentioned Terry Murray, West Coast uh, hockey bias comes in. The T-Mac is like Terry Murray. He has set the foundation, but now he needs to win. He has to win a round. I understand it. I, I get that sentiment. Um, the only reason I say I, you know, I, don't, I don't think he has to is because, like, I, I, I look back at these last two seasons and they – we're not the better team. They they yep. they were second best. And I don't think that's McClellan's fault that they were not as good of a team as the Edmonton Oilers. So I don't know how this season's going to play out. You know, I would have to I'd have to see the context of, you know, if they lose in the first if I sit here and say, well, they lose in the first round, but what if I told you, well, they lost in the first round, but they were also missing their number one defenseman, Drew Doughty, like they were two years ago. Yeah. Or they're missing Gaja yeah. Cope. Like you can't just ignore that stuff, I think. And remember last year, they had three players banged up in Fiala, Velarde, Lazat. Like they were, he had no third line center. Like they're, the, the team was not anywhere near as good in hindsight. I mean, I know we talked about if they got over that hump, they could make a run in the, in the conference, but that's a pretty big hump to get over. I don't think they were as good. So is that McClellan's fault that they weren't as good? I don't know. I, I I totally get the sentiment. I totally understand it, but I I I don't know that it has to fall on that per se. It sounds like, and I, I kind of like where you're going with this. It kind of sounds like your main focus here is this is more on Rob Blake than it is McClellan. Well, and the thing is, is I, and the thing is, I actually love what Rob Blake has done. I'm not even yeah, sure. yeah. It's you ran into Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaitel and a team that was better. Full, full stop. They were built better. They're a better team. That is it. And I don't like, I don't, Rob Blake couldn't draft Dreisaitl or McDavid. So I don't even, um, that's not, I, that wasn't meant to be a shade at Rob Blake. But look at, look at all the moves that Blake has made. Look at what he's brought in. Fiala, he's Dubois, you know, Deneau, Arvidsson, the, and, and, and for as much as, as, you know, I crapped all over the, the deal last year. He brings in a goalie and, and what Gavrikov turned into with the Kings. Like, I don't know how you could say, you know, what more does Rob Blake need to do in a lot of ways because he's done an excellent job. But that doesn't mean the Kings are the best team in the league. 
right? I mean, it, it's just that's 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 professional sports. Like there are teams that are that are going to be better, and and they happen to be in a division where two teams were better than them last year. In in playoffs, it wasn't even really a question. And you look into the season, and you've got both of those teams. You know, not that the odds makers are everything, but they're certainly not nothing. The Kings are comfortably third place in this division. Now, I think a lot of people wouldn't be surprised if the Kings win the division. It's not as if it's a disrespect to the Kings. It's that Vegas and Edmonton are really good, you know. So, and you've also got other competitive teams in this division. So, I don't know. I, I, I it's hard. This is really difficult because it's it's professional sports, and you have to eventually win, and somebody's got to go. And in this situation, if if hypothetically they lose in the first round, no matter who it's to even if it's to a team that's just a powerhouse and goes on to win the cup at some point you need to see a result. And I understand it, that the coach at that point ends up taking the fall and it is what it is. But yeah, like I, this is one of those weird situations where I, I don't really have major complaints with McClellan. There's like, there's some things like when the Kings, that whole one, three, one, when they were losing in the, uh, uh, in the playoffs, Man, come on, come on, you know that, that type of stuff. But again, not gonna. That was I'm not killing him over that one kind of situation. So I don't know. It, it's a. I, I'm. This is one thing I'm really curious to see how this conversation goes and how it plays out. And I think you're right. I think like for whatever reason, if the Kings jump out and and they're like, I don't know, they come out to like a two and eight start or two and th- three and seven in the first ten games. Pitchforks are going to be out. Yep. Yeah, a lot of that is going to hang on in terms of Rob Blake. A lot of it's going to hang on Pierre-Luc Dubois' <laughs> performance. I mean, right away. I mean, like I mentioned, like when when the trade was done and Gabe Velarde signed his extension, everybody's going to be comparing this yep. to in terms of point protection. Yeah. Traded away. Gabe Velarde was having this great season last year, be kind of quickly becoming a fan favorite with everything he was doing. Traded him away, and now you brought in this. Guy, you gave this hefty contract to. If he doesn't perform right away, a lot of people are going to be asking, like, what's going on here? So that'll be something that uh, that everybody, I guess, will be focused on at the beginning part of the season and how well Pierre Lucebaugh does. But I'm not, I'm not worried about it in the slightest. I'm not either. But the other thing, so Rob Blake has really he the the, the, the this off season is his like putting a stamp on it in two ways. One was Dubois. The other one is going. And and I'm not I'm not going to kill him for this because I'm I'm with him is hashtag goalies with the way he's going about yeah, the goal exactly. situation. So he's he's putting it on the line right now with the big move for Dubois and going with the goaltending that he's going with. And so it you know I think if we're being fair, like you know if if the Kings are off to a slow start, but they have the worst goaltending in the league again, like last year, that's not Tom McClellan's fault, right? So I, I and again. It's this is just me kind of an interesting kind of conversation to see, and I'm I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other because I genuinely think both guys have done a really good job, but we're in a results oriented business where at some point you you have to get past that playoff round, and is this the year that it happens? Like if the Kings finish for if they win the division and lose in the first round in seven games, like what do you do, right? <laughs> right. But that's a that's. In the in the realm of possibility, 
you know. You resign so, Matt Roy is what you do. <laughs> I just wanna... any, any 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 anything here? Shankmaster comes in rush. You're you're the closest to the team of certainly of hockey royalty. Does do you, any sense about McClellan in the locker room? Oh man, I mean, the guys that are fully bought in. It's not even <laughs> yeah. There's no so question bad. there. I mean, I, I will say too, like you, you go in the locker room. This is a very close knit group of guys. Like they are very kind of they've bought in. They're ready to go. I mean, there's no there's not like doesn't seem like there's one guy that's kind of left out of the group it's just all these guys kind of brought in and 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 they know that they know the the job ahead of them they they understand i mean we've heard it like i went back and listened to drew dowdy's uh, exit interview from last year and and i just love it that he's talking about that he was going to think about edmonton all summer and that he wanted to play them again mm-hmm. and i i love hearing you want to hear that from the, yeah. the players that you're rooting for you want them to go out there and say hey we lost but i'm I want it to be there again. Like I, I want them to work it. They realize they're going to have to face Edmonton. They're not going to go away. I think McClellan said that too. That Edmonton's going to be there. Connor McDavid's going to be around, unfortunately. But yeah, it's, it's it's a team that you're going to eventually have to beat. And and so yeah, I mean, it'll be. I have no questions with with in terms or concerns in terms of McClellan leading the group. I think he's the right guy for the job for right now. But like you said, it's a result oriented business and. And there might have to be tough decisions if something maybe doesn't happen in terms of results that we want to see. Yeah, it's it's all all the questions being asked here at the end of this uh, at the end of this episode before uh, the season starts next uh, next week. So we've got two more preseason games uh, upcoming with Thursday, Saturday. I think Thursday is the Frozen Fury, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Russ yes. against the Sharks. Yeah, I see uh, CJ's asking if the behind the glass guys. Yeah, behind the glass, they're there everywhere. Every everywhere the team is, those behind the glass <laughs> camera guys are right are following right along. So yeah, it, awesome. it'll be it's it's I don't did you see the first episode? I did not. I have not watched it yet. It was it was good. It was great. And it's good. The Kings finally are getting this kind of like behind the scenes look that you've seen from other teams. I mean, obviously the good. big one was Bruce Boudreaux back in the day. Yeah, kind of lit the lamp to all this good stuff, but it's good to see the Kings as the main focus team here now. That's right, and I, I don't know yet. We'll see. We'll see how it works out. So the Kings play next Wednesday to open the season. We'll see what we're going to do as far as uh, when we're going to record uh, next week. If we'll if we'll do one before the game or after, we'll we'll figure that out. But you guys will all be aware. Thank you very much for everybody that joined in on the chat. It was absolutely buzzing today. You can definitely tell oh, yeah. that that everybody's fired up. The season's about to start. I think everybody, as much as we're happy, like just a week ago, we were talking about, yes, we got hockey to talk about preseason. Now everybody's like, okay, I'm sick of preseason. Can we get to the regular season already? So it's the I, longest preseason ever. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> Fun though, right? I mean, Hayden Hodgson, thank God for him. Right. Else we'd probably just still be sitting here. Just Exactly. Exactly. I I just put the ticker up for the those that know Randon if he was watching this or when he watches this. He's gonna be like, just idiot Joe. Why does he not have the ticker up like <laughs> I do? Randon, uh, I know. Like I said, Jared Anderson Dolan. But you can see our Twitter handles scrolling across the bottom. We are at hockey underscore royalty at Randall Commando twenty four, who's in Portugal at NHL Russell at JW Paterino, and don't forget about Kyle Garcia at Copatar four H O F. Uh, he is is just pumping out articles on hockey royalty lately. Uh, all summer, he's he's your go to for rain coverage. He does a great job covering the rain. So, uh, I definitely give give Kyle a follow. And Russ, 
you know, the first of a few episodes here without Brandon. I think we made it. We survived. Till next you week. You did a pretty good job. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, folks, again, thank you very much for hopping in. Really appreciate you in your chat. We'll see you next week. And as we like to say here, go Kings go. Go Kings. <laughs>